0: Welcome again to Life lifeiswonderful.love podcast, where we're trying to help everyone live their best life through recovery, healing, life issues. This is all about self-awareness, empowerment. Today, we're going to go across the pond and we're going to be talking with Pamela Haynes, Welcome, Pamela. How are you doing today?
1: Hello there. Hi, Hugo. Um, I'm not too bad, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, You're welcome. Tell the audience one thing you love.
1: Yeah, um, well, obviously, my husband is downstairs, so I have to say first that I love him. I love him very, very much. But um, we have five children together. Um, he has two children from his previous marriage, a boy and a girl, and I have um, two children from my previous marriage, uh, two boys, and we have a son together. Um, love them all very dearly, got some excellent qualities about them. Um, together we have six grandchildren, and on Saturday, just gone, I got the opportunity to meet her for the first time. Um, in the UK we were hit with covid quite badly as a country and with omicron and delta and all the other variants um, um around even though she even though she was born in December we were not able to meet her until um until Saturday so it was very special we traveled all the way up to Northampton so over a hundred miles to um, meet her. And it was the most special thing of the year so far to be able to see her in the flesh. Her mother is very gracious and um, sending us photographs and um, so on. But it was to meet her face to face and to look at her. Um, I could have stared and looked at her all day. And I suppose that's the definition of, of being in love, really, when you, um, you meet your grandchild or granddaughter for the first time so that that was a very special moment so if there's one thing that i love it will be that that little girl she's very special to us
0: ah what a wonderful story yeah there is nothing like face to face either holding the child or being in front of a person you know photographs phone calls are great yeah but there's nothing like actually being in the same room and i'm glad that you finally were able to connect So let's go into the questions. Question number one, you've spent 26 years as a probation officer and then as a senior probation probation officer in London, England, mainly focused around the domestic abuse arena. Tell us about how all of that works in the UK, uh, what you would like to uh, share about you know, the whole the whole thing that, you know, that deals with, you know, the healing process and everything about it?
1: Yeah, sure. So I used to work for Her Majesty's Crown Prosecution Service first. That was my first job when I left school. I was a, an administrator. I got the opportunity to work at most of the magistrates' courts and crown courts in northeast London. Thoroughly enjoyed that. But what I did notice was the same young people coming in and out of our court system and I felt that working for the prosecution service I was part of the problem and not part of the solution. So I joined the probation service Um, my main goal really was to help prevent young people going in and out of the criminal justice system. I got the opportunity to train as a domestic abuse facilitator in 2005 And um, then started to work in the unit, working with perpetrators of domestic abuse. And in my case, it was mainly predominantly men who were the perpetrators and the women who were victims of domestic abuse. So they had like a two prong approach where We worked with the men in terms of tackling their long-held beliefs around women's roles, etc. And we also had women's safety officers who worked with the partners or former partners or new partners to the men that we were working with. The course is 18 months long. It's called the Integrated Domestic Abuse Program. And if I'm right, it originally came from Minnesota. um, And then it was passed down to um, the UK for us to use in the probation service. So the program mainly looked at um, eight different areas, which are um, how men use intimidation, um, using emotional abuse, using isolation, Minimising, blaming and um, and denying that the violence is taking place, using children, using male privilege, using economic abuse and using coercion and threats. And all these tactics are designed to keep the woman in a state of being unbalanced, afraid, fearful and um, above all not leaving, you know, staying in the toxic relationship. So the program was 18 months long and it took at least nine months to get through the program. And the latter half of the program, we then equipped the men with new tools and new strategies where they were able to move to more towards an equality-based, balanced relationship. It's tough going, you know, especially when the football is on, on a Wednesday evening, the last thing that some of the men wanted to do was to come out and come to the group. Um, But it was compulsory because they were sentenced by the court to a probation order, which meant that um, they had to attend the program. And a lot of men would say they prefer to go back to prison rather than face some of the issues that we were raising and how we were challenging them. And what I loved about being a facilitator is the answers don't have to come from me. The men who have been on the program for 10 months were schooling those who had just started the program. And we were just there to facilitate that discussion and um, to help them understand that um, they, that behavior can be changed. So you have a lot of um trust and belief that individuals, given the right tools, are able to change. And I am very proud of my involvement with the program because, um, you know, two years on, three years on, some of the men were still able to sustain that change long after the probation order had ended. So it was quite a successful program. The women's safety officers then were in touch with the women um to find out whether um, incidences of domestic abuse were still occurring, and um, you know, looked at issues, welfare issues, looked at how um, the violence had impacted on the women and on their children and their family and the community. Um, so that was their role. And we we did a lot of exchanging of information as well, because if a man was angry in a group setting, we wanted to make sure that that woman was safe after the session had ended. So as I said, I was very, very proud to uh, with my involvement with the program. Um, seg- segments of my intervention on that program was shared with uh, magistrates, especially new magistrates who were um, new to the role because we wanted to explain and um, we wanted the judiciary to understand how important this program is at changing lives and uh, again that's a very important fact that I'm proud of.
0: Uh, sounds like a lot of excellent work Yeah, I'm proud of all that work that you'd be doing because yeah it's difficult to change behavior, uh, you know, to dealing with, you know, the perpetrators, you know, on how to change their thinking. And yeah, 18 months, uh, yeah, it, it was almost like not long enough of a program. Cause it almost takes like 18 months, two years, but I'm assuming that, yeah, that program should, uh, Bear some fruit, and I'm glad that it's still working with in, in the UK, the US, and any other country that implements any types of pr- the same program or a similar one. Because uh, yeah, we would need it.
1: I think there's definitely something to be said for having more than one program because not one size fits all. Um, so it'd be you know definitely a case to have more programs out there. What doesn't work for one man might work for the other. Um, but as long as they're all focused on keeping women safe and keeping children safe, then that's the main that that's the main thing. But at the moment, that's the program that the probation service are are with. Um, And um, we are continually assessed that we are delivering the program to the highest standard possible and maintaining program integrity. And that's what I like about it. I, um, as, as good as I think I am as a facilitator, I welcome feedback. Um, I welcome the opportunity to train with the best and um, do the best that I can so that I'm delivering a good service to the men that I am working with. So, um, yeah, we definitely need more programs out there.
0: I agree. Let's move on to question two. You're an author. You wrote a book, Loving the Brothers. You also won an award. Tell us about this book, and I also know that you have an upcoming book uh, due out this year. So tell us about both books.
1: Okay, no problem at all. Um, In 2016, I was approaching a milestone birthday, and I wanted to acknowledge it in some way. I had a look at my bucket list at the time, and there were at least three things that were feasible that I could do. Um, One was to do my master's in um, criminal justice studies. Um, I imagined myself um, two years time in 2018 that I was going to be graduating and walking across the stage. The other thing I wanted to do was to go on a cruise, um, preferably around the Caribbean, and then on my bucket list was writing a book. Well, as you know, all three of those things potentially can cost a lot of money, and um, I managed to narrow it down to two things. Um, I went to an award ceremony. I was my friend's plus one, and I was sat at a table with some incredibly talented women and one of them was an author called Marcia M. Spence. She had a stack of books next to her called Geraldine's Pearl. And I purchased a book from her. And I say what I always say when I meet authors oh, one day I'm going to write my book. But she said, um, well, it's timely that we're speaking now because I'm moving into publishing. Let's swap details and keep in touch. And we did. And um, Loving the Brothers was published on the 8th of January 2018. So um, I managed to achieve that. The why was all about me and just wanting to feel as though I was self-actualizing and um, uh, leaving my mark on the world by writing a book. Um, to know that my book is in the British Library um, in London is absolutely fantastic. Um, so it was the goal was achieved, but the reaction to the me writing the book was something that I didn't expect. So um, loads of people contacted me, men and women, um, through my social media, to discuss themes rising out of the book. Um, The book is about domestic abuse, three women. One is a senior probation officer working in London, um, but it's not me. But um, these three women meet the Morgan brothers and we get an insight into what the dating world is like in the UK. Very, very different from the uh, from America. Um, we get to see what their relationships look like so we get a peek behind the curtain to see what's really going on on the outside it looks incredibly good but once you scratch the surface you see that things aren't quite what they seem um, the women have an occasion to travel to Jamaica to attend their father-in-law's funeral and then things unfurl from there So, loving the brothers sets the scene. Is scene one? It's part one, um, letting you know how these women live in in London, how they meet their partners, and my new book, which I wrote during lockdown twenty twenty in the UK, is called Loving the Sisters. And Loving the Sisters is part two. It's the sequel. And um, I'm fortunate enough to have found a publisher. It took me two years, but I found a publisher. And um, that book will be published in July 2022. So it's exciting times ahead. Loving the Sisters is about friendship, loyalty and sisterhood. So if you like um, programs like um, Greenleaf, um, This Is Us, Um, And if you like reality TV, like The Real Housewives of Atlanta like I do, then you'll like Loving the Sisters as well. But I haven't stopped there. I've continued um, writing, and at the moment my work in progress is um, Loving the Children, which I hope will be the end of the trilogy unless my characters tell me otherwise. So that's the journey so far.
0: Mm. Everybody loves a good trilogy. (laughs) I think that's a... A good thing that you're on loving the brothers, loving the sisters, loving the children. All right. but this also kind of leads us on to question three. You're also in the podcasting. your podcast, author to author, and that's and I'll put it in the notes, author and then the number two author. Talk to us about your podcast or anybody that you might want to have on your podcast or what you discuss currently.
1: Yeah, no problem at all. Um, I was fortunate. I would have to say I was fortunate with the amount of publicity that I got for my book. So I've been on television. I've been on radio a few times. I've been on other people's podcasts like today. I'm on yours, Hugo. Um, but, um, what I do find that there is a little bit of snobbery, snob- snobbery around self published books. So you've got the traditional publishers versus the, um, independently published versus the self-published and um, I found that as a self-published author um, people were hesitant about taking me on as a guest um, also you don't attract the mainstream um, tv newspapers and radio and other um, forms of media and a few people had promised me yes I you know we'll have you on our show Pam and they never ever got back to me And I woke up on the 8th of March 2021, um, disappointed that someone hadn't got back to me to be on their podcast. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to start my own. I'm going to start, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to invite rather than wait to be invited. So um, the Author to Author podcast was born on the 8th of March 2021 I made a list of all the self-published authors that I knew, which amounted to 30, about 30, 33 people. And I contacted my first 10 people to say, do you want to be on my podcast? And had an overwhelming yes. I am 10 episodes in. Um, and we talk about their book journeys. I give my, give my guests the opportunity to speak and tell me um you know tell me what their journey has been like where they've been able what spaces they've been able to get their books into um tell me about their writing journey are they um you know do they write first thing in the morning do they write last thing at night what their schedule is like and most importantly give those people who are aspiring to be writers the um you know one of your your tips with how they can become a published author as well so um season 2 is just about to launch i've um interviewed another 10, 10 people and um now getting my list together for season 3 uh, what I love about it is, is that it's had such a good response, a far reach across the globe. Um, I've got, I love book day because I get books arriving in the post every day. All it costs people is two copies of their book, their time and their energy that they bring to the show. And it's really, it's really taken off well. I'm, I've also managed to get the podcast onto two radio stations, one that covers, um, North Africa. And another one that carries and um, that covers the Caribbean and North America. And for season two, two other radio stations have expressed an interest in streaming um the the show as well so um yep yep fingers crossed um the the podcast is also sponsored by dalgetty herbal teas um so they take up the tab for all of the editing producing the show and everything else i don't really have to worry about any of that i can just concentrate on interviewing um my guests so yeah that's with the all for all um podcast so you know, if you know anyone that's looking for a little bit of exposure, you know, they can reach out on social media and get in touch with me. And my social media handle on Instagram is at author. Thank you.
0: Okay. Yeah, and we'll put all that in the notes about your podcast, about your IG, about any other ways to contact you. And they'll be able to connect and either be on your podcast or buy your book or books and continue the journey. Well, I appreciate you talking to us, talking to life is wonderful dot love audience this afternoon.
1: Thank you so much for having me. All
0: right. And with that, we will sign off with the latest episode.